You should be able to find the show notes in the description of the episode for each podcast. It might not be there, depending on how you're listening to this, but I know it's on there for Spotify and for SoundCloud. So if it's not there on maybe Overcast or iTunes, you can definitely find it on uh, Spotify and SoundCloud. And it's me, Andy. And it's me, Proletariat. And it's me, Zohariel. And it's me, Fibwick. Alright, so we, we just got done having our first book club discussion with all the new people. How did everybody think it went? Good. It was longer it than well. they usually are, but I think it's because so many more people were there. Honestly, given like the level of the material, uh, we I, I'm excited to see how much retention we maintain like over the course of the next few chapters. Like I know yeah. with capital, like you know, chapters one through three are really hard, so we had like a steep drop off, like increase five hundred with like a maximum of six people reading through. But this one isn't nearly that level of like dense. This was the hardest thing to read, I think, with what like this week was because some of these were like newspaper articles from Bordiga's paper, and it's like some of it's like, oh god, who are the electionalist maximalists? Like, what the, I'm glad nobody got like too hung up on that and got distracted by that. It seemed like everybody was able to focus on what I wanted everybody to get out of the articles specifically, just the, everything to do with the Soviets, not the little petty factional bickering about the electional maximalists or anything like that, you know? So I, I, like moving forward, it'll be a lot easier because it'll all be one self-contained work and it'll have a nice narrative structure. Trotsky's a marvelous writer. It'll all flow very well. Oh, it's going to be great. If, if, if the people who attended can get through what they just read, they will do a marvelous job with the rest of the book. All that will really be a question of is just finding the time to read and attend the discussion really there really shouldn't be any theoretical difficulties i don't think yeah i'm, I'm a bit at least for me like i'm a bit isolated in what and what i know like what sources i've been able to like come across and even then that's been like for specific research projects or such and such so actually going through like a whole read through of uh, actual like an, uh, a revolutionary event is very exciting particularly the curriculum i've got is such it, it covers a like 10 year period basically and it's all very interrelated so like if you were to just have been recommended oh i want to read something about the the chinese revolution and you're like oh well, i'll start at the beginning of the chinese revolution like in the in the 20s you know that's kind of where mao made his first sort of appearance and things and you get shanghai shek sort of that's where he starts out too is back in the 20s so you read about that and there's like a, a lot of references to the russian revolution and like all the things going on over there because the ussr played a pretty big role in the 1920s china so you're like oh if i kind of want to understand this i need to go back a little bit more you know the the way i've got this structured everything kind of flows forward and it's 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 very nice it feels good to read it all and be like oh i know about that you read a book later and you're like oh i know about this thing i don't need to wonder what this means anymore it's a little past the date now but we could talk about the capital and what went down there it's still pretty fresh in the mind current yeah we can talk about uh, Artie in particular linked me an article from the Hard Crackers magazine, if anybody's familiar with that. But basically, it's an article, and it, it almost feels like they are a little jealous of, of the fact that... The, I mean, it's, it's one thing to be jealous of the fact that the right can mobilize people like this, but almost like they feel like that could be them in the sense that these are angry proletarians 
why are they not on our side? And it misses the point that the reasons that these people are so angry are not for, like, genuinely proletarian reasons. These are, like, white nationalist, gun club nationalists, like, conspiracy theory people. These people aren't outraged and just, like, misdirecting a wage demand or something, you know? They're they're directing, like, racial hatred. And so Artie's gonna write an article tearing down these hard crackers article. That's generally what I see to be, like, a recurring theme in the left is, like, it's the, uh, why won't they fight for us? Or, like, why aren't they on our why aren't they on our side? Which I think is a surprisingly shallow analysis to be so repetitive. On the one hand, you know, these people know that the system does not exist to serve their interests and that, you know, the ruling class is, um, you know, bought and sold. So based on that, they think uh, they as in, you know, the hard cracker people or whatever, you know, they think, oh, you know, we can just tap into that. And they don't understand the amount of bourgeois propaganda that already exists to co-opt every shred of that awareness. Yeah, it's not, not even just relegating to propaganda, but the differences in cultural incorporation and where they feel like as white people for example where their power comes from and how that antagonistic to something like blm it's not as simple as just switching the labor pool yeah and that's something that if i'm gonna draw historical parallels just because i can talk more about history if i do that you you get that a lot where let's see lenin in particular and just like people in russia were very envious of germany's planned state economy and they literally thought they could simply graft the political soviet on top of germany's economic organization that would be it and it misses the point that while it may have the form of a planned economy because it was genuinely a planned economy the plan was for the intention of wartime production while simultaneously meeting the needs of profit and to radically alter the plan in such a way that the plan now becomes about meeting and expanding human needs you would have to scrap every piece of machinery behind that plan the same people who would be willing to plan for the death and destruction of like millions of people are not going to be willing to put forth their effort to plan for like you know feeding the hungry or whatever you're going to have to like rearrange absolutely everything about it. It's not simply a matter of artificially grafting the correct leadership over an existing mob of people, if that makes sense. Was their focus on the German wartime economy? And so they, they took a look at that and said, this is the future? Uh, basically, insofar as it was a planned economy, yes. I think they mm-hmm. thought that you could very mechanically simply take a structured, rigid economy like that and just change the plan as though it were just a wheel that you could pull out and then switch your own wheel in. And like I said, that ignores the fact that there's more to the plan than just the plan. There's all the planners and the people executing the plan. And the people who are willing to plan and execute a a capitalist-based plan are not going to be willing to just switch out their interests because the plan changed. You know, they're going to violently oppose that. And you're going to have to find new everything. Plus, I mean, there's, you know, the sheer amount of inertia caused by the amount of, you know, fixed capital that's incorporated in the existing plan. Right, exactly. You can't always just take 
take a factory that's been producing missiles or artillery and change it around so that now it's producing public transportation, you know? It takes a lot more than just seizing an existing productive apparatus and saying, we're going to do this now instead. No, it's like you got to tear things down, build up different things, repurpose what you can, but some things you just genuinely have to get rid of. It won't serve your purposes. Um, so in the first article, The Soviet and the Revolution by Leon Trotsky, which is available in the show notes, there is the line, prior to the Soviet, there had been revolutionary organizations among the industrial working men, mostly of a social democratic nature. But those were organizations among the proletariat. Their immediate aim was to influence the masses. The Soviet is an organization of the proletariat. Its aim is to fight for revolutionary power. And that got me, and I found that especially interesting. And that got me thinking about kind of like the current organizations that exist. Like there aren't any like working class organizations, but even anything that's like slightly leftist always feels like it only exists to try and just change people's minds. It's all like petitions and, and and it's just, to try to convince people that what that like being not racist is a nice idea and being not homophobic is a nice idea and stuff yeah and i think um maybe the language trotsky uses there to talk about the parties existing to influence the proletarians probably shouldn't be interpreted that strictly simply because the social democratic parties at the time were actively engaged in trade union struggles they were actively engaged in trying to prevent pogroms and like fighting against the black hundreds and things like that they, they were active in the proletariat they weren't simply as you compare to modern day sort of leftist socialist kind of groups they weren't simply trying to say you should join our party you should be this way be that way and not really engaging in the struggle but the way trotsky talks about influencing the proletariat there he's more talking about influencing the proletariat in their existing struggles by engaging with the struggle if that makes sense so engaging in trade union struggles but maybe advocating for an integrated trade union which racial problems weren't near as prevalent in russia as they were in places like america but you still did have anti-semitism and things like that so it was a matter of influencing but it was influencing while being an active part of their struggles and practice and he contrasts that with the soviet form where instead of just influencing in the midst of the struggle the whole point of the struggle is now to seize the entire power and so influencing the proletariat to seize the power is no longer of necessity because they're in the act of doing so basically i think for the most part it's it's so rare in the modern day to find an organization actually like really doing something productive at least in my experience i can literally count them it feels like there's nothing out there it's just like a desert and i remember my immense disappointment if i can just tell an anecdote when i had followed the world socialist website which is a basically newspaper organization kind of thing of the socialist equality party and if we want to trace their lineage they are out of trotsky's fourth international so they're a trotskyist group of course they have a newspaper and they generally have a fairly decent analysis of things you got to kind of pick away some of the ideology but for the most part they kind of report on stuff you don't see reported on so i like reading them for that purpose 
but i've followed them since like like high school and i get out of college and stuff and i've got a job and everything and i'm still kind of following these people a little bit and they always run a fucking presidential candidate which is just exhausting but i i kind of wanted to know what else these people did like on a on a practical level like yes they have the world socialist website that's that's good practice reporting on things that i don't see reported on anywhere else you know it, that helps you know inform if they have a decent analysis and perspective and things like that but what are they doing other than that and running a president every once in a while they have funds obviously to run somebody around the country and go campaign and whatnot so do they have other funds to do like union drives or like what what are they doing so eventually uh in 2016 they had a big push for like an anti-war conference i forget what exactly was going on at the time now but they they were doing a big anti-war conference out in detroit and they were like we're we're gonna do stuff and do things and i was like okay cool i'm actually gonna go to this and so i did i went with my wife and i could have literally stayed at home and just read the world socialist website for all the good that going to that conference was it just felt like i was being lectured like out of their articles that they were and i'm like okay why the hell did i come here because i was expecting like we're going to have make action groups to do this that or the third we're gonna have you know like organizing demonstrations or something like that there was nothing like that the the only practical thing that they were telling you to do essentially was join the scp and donate to our presidential thing there was no talk of any sort of or trying to organize demonstrations against war there was nothing and it was wildly disappointing to me i followed them for like 10 years at that point 10 years you're so disappointed I know, I was betrayed. I was like, surely these people are doing something, right? That's sort of when it dawned on me that nobody does anything. Was that the conference where you almost got beat up? Yes, that is the conference where I almost got beat up. So not only did you get your dreams dashed, you almost got the shit kicked out of you too. Basically, if you want the entire (laughs) specific details on that story, they mentioned at one point, so they're running a presidential candidate. I don't think that is like the end-all be-all mistake, whatever, but they mentioned specifically during their conference one of the things going on. They were obviously talking about the election. At the time, it was between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. They mentioned that there was a public transport worker strike. I think it was in Minneapolis. And one of the things they were using as a weapon against the strikers was we have to have public transport up and running so that people can go to early voting stations. You are interfering with the election process. And that is one of the weapons that they use to break the strike. And so I kind of took that and put that in my back pocket because there was a Q&A session at the end. And I was like, all right, I have a question about this. And when you get to the Q&A section at the end, I got behind, I think it was about three people. There were a couple of people behind me too, but I was like the fourth person to ask. And it was not really a Q&A section, at least as far as the first three people, because they literally were just giving like masturbatory, self-congratulating speeches on how great this conference was. And there were some really embarrassing comparisons to like the early days of the Bolsheviks where they would meet in like train cars. And it was very cringe, but... Um, Um, So I asked my question and I'm like, okay, by participating in these elections, you are lending the legitimacy of your party to these elections. How can you justify lending legitimacy to elections which are used to break strikes? And everybody, I I got kind of a visible audience, ooh, off of that question. So after a little moment, one of the guys up front was like, okay, so the question is, does our participation in the elections lend legitimacy to the elections? And and I interrupt. I'm like, no, 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 that was not my question. 
by participating in the elections, you are lending your legitimacy to the elections. If they were illegitimate, you wouldn't participate in them. Uh, after that, he got very mad at me and accused me of being like an apolit somebody who was apolitical and anarchist. Um, mostly, he was his tirade was just on the fact that I didn't believe in political action, and he was kind of giving a tirade against the ineptitudes of people who don't believe in political action, which of course defines political action in such a narrow way that it's electoral politics only. And I I don't understand that at all. He was just trying to dismiss me. I think what happened was. I hit on a nerve, because I think their presidential campaign probably brings in a lot of donations for their organization, and by pushing at that, you're kind of touching at their actual monetary interests as an organization, so I was going for the jugular without quite realizing it, so that's why they got so mad. Uh, but we left after that, it, it was in like an auditorium on like a college campus, and so we were outside like in the halls basically and um one of them recognized me he's like oh hey you're the guy who uh asked that question or whatever i'm like yeah yeah he's like can you talk to me a little bit more about you know whatever so i kind of start talking to him more and more people start getting around me and like people start getting angrier and angrier at me and they're like one of the things that i'm going off about is like why are we not doing anything i was like one of the points that was raised was that you know th at the time there was like a black a predominantly black church in alabama that was like burned to the ground and i'm like there there's all kinds of like racial hate crimes going on and all we can all you guys are doing is like let's let's vote like why is there no call to go and defend minority workers at voting places like that was one of my things was was i was like why are we not trying like okay fine maybe you want to have your campaign fine but can we talk about defending minority workers at workplaces like that would be an actual thing you know like because at the time it was like like i said there's all these hate crimes going on and everybody remembers how things felt right after the 2016 elections there was like people getting guns pulled on them at like gas stations there are all kind of horrible stories right after that still horrible stories but you know it's like a legitimate thing like can we defend minority workers at polling stations and i start getting accused of like the opposite thing that i'm trying to be a pro-Clinton person by trying to defend minorities at polling stations, presumably because they think minorities are going to vote for Clinton. And it, it took me, I'm like, no, I'm not supporting Clinton, I just think we should support and defend minority workers, or any workers who are going to be attacked at polling stations. Like, it's as simple as that. It has nothing to do with supporting this candidate or the other. <laughs> I had to exclaim, you know, I had to be like, fuck Clinton. Like, they wouldn't understand any of my arguments. I had to say, fuck Clinton, before they backed down on that point. And at this point, there's probably, like, literally 30 or 40 people around my wife and I, and we've kind of gotten mildly separated and circled in and I didn't really realize it because I'm trying to explain this shit to people and I'm like fuck Clinton you know and I look around and like I'm like oh shit where'd my wife go and um <laughs> this anarchist guy kind of pulls us out and he's like yo dude we gotta go and he's got my wife and me and we're, we're out and he's like yo this is getting a little heated you guys need a ride out of here and I'm like uh yeah let's go and so he gave me a ride out and he's like dude that was so fucking whack and he, he must have <laughs> thought we were anarchists because you know the guy accused us of being anarchists and I don't know maybe he thought he knew us some way somehow I was like dude that was wild he's like and He's like, fucking Marxists, right, man? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, bunch of wild Trotskyists, right? And he's like, no, nah, dude, it's just Marxists. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to say anything. I'm in this fucker's car. <laughs> I was making sure the door was unlocked. I was like, okay, I can jump out of this vehicle if I need to. <laughs> he dropped us off where we were parked. <laughs> yeah, we rode with him for a little bit. And we talked about how crazy it was. Because... Uh, Telling the story doesn't really convey the fact that there were like 30 people around us like yelling and they're all doing it like at the same time. So at some point what went from me talking to one person about like, oh yeah, you know, this is 
why I have problems with this. And I'm just kind of like, you know, reasonably explaining. I think we should probably, you know, is there anything we're doing? It's suddenly like people start yelling and they're all yelling at the same time. And I'm like, okay, who do you want me to address first? I think I said that at one point. I was trying to respond to one person and someone started yelling at me. And I'm like, can I respond to him first? And that just gets ignored and everybody's still yelling. But we got dropped off at our car. From where it was a big conference they were hosting in Detroit, they had gotten quite a bougie, I might add, hotel like discount rate thing, you know, because they're having a group event and they were able to get a discount rate at a hotel. It was still a really nice hotel. I was like, okay. It was just odd. It was a little pricey if you're like kind of a working class organization, I thought. But so everybody's staying in this hotel. So we like drive back and we get back to our hotel and uh, we saw some people i mean like everybody in the hotel basically had gone to the conference and i'm like oh shit are these people gonna see me and follow me to my hotel room and like you know just whatever so i think we slid like the dresser or whatever in front of the hotel door because you know there's lots of people walking around i'm sure some people saw go back to our room i don't know how many people recognize this or whatever but we woke up real early the next day and left oh god i mean we probably weren't in any real danger um we forgot to bring our safety ice pick so that was on us but (laughs) amusingly coming from a small town where i was known as a communist that was the first instance where i'd experienced the semblance of political violence directed towards me fucking marxists am i right It's probably Andy. Andy's the one who picked me up. <laughs> I was secretly there the whole time. Come with me if you want to live. I mean, that's basically what happened. It's like a, like a, like the the A on my shirt, like a black flag, like pulling in the back. I pulled on the I, I pulled down like shoot a rifle shot above the crowd. I find I I don't know. I, this is probably very bad, but I do find it genuinely hilarious that your first bout with political violence was with people who you're supposed to be on your side. Oh, I know, and I think that that has seriously, seriously informed my perspective. When when I say that there is nothing on the left of value to recover, I like genuinely mean that. I don't think that there is nothing I have encountered has made me say, "Oh, I want to go and do that." You know, like I I've yeah. done that. I I will drive to Detroit for your organization if i think it is worth it like i look at the stuff i research it as soon as i was able you know like i had followed world socialist website since i was in high school like i said when i got out i got a job i did that less than a year of working at my job you know i'm like oh shit this is the people i followed i need to go see this see what they're doing i'll follow you and do shit with you if there's if you're doing shit worth doing but i haven't seen that like fucking anywhere and it's not like i'm not looking Word. like am i being overly harsh if, if you just disagree like feel free to disagree that's totally fine I, I i hope i'm not fostering an environment where people are afraid to disagree with me i feel like the only person who's ever really called me out or disagreed with me too too much is uh, kb and she has been correct every time she's done it too <laughs> all i've done is make a damn book club but hey you know step at a time we do have something we can talk about. Oh, that's right. I remember. Let's get quiet so Fib don't have such a hard time editing this. Talk about it, Fib. Okay. So we've received some feedback by a fellow, or I'm not actually, I'll leave them anonymous, from uh, in a med- message on Reddit, which we encourage you to, well, I mean, just fucking email us. <laughs> okay. Starting over. We've received some feedback uh, from a user on Reddit about the podcast we'd like to talk about. What he said verbatim was... Hello, I listened to some of your podcasts and wanted to give some feedback. I didn't want to post in public because I figured it would just be a problem. Anyway, sorry, but it just sounds like smugness ripping into straw mans. 
If you understand theory and socialism so much better than everyone else, why are you spending all your time talking shit about people? If you're not discussing, discussing anything of substance, not even laying out the positions that you're railing against, just bread tube doesn't get socialism, ha ha, you're never going to convince anyone of anything other than your own ego with this. What are you doing? Anyways, good luck with your podcast. And that's it. What do you, what do you think about that feedback, Fib? I don't think it's, like, uh, wholly accurate. I do think there's something to get from... He makes the point, um, not even laying out the positions that you're railing against. I think it probably would be good if we were a little more explicit in what we are saying is wrong, instead of just saying that someone is wrong or some vague idea is wrong, being very explicit in what they believe and why that's wrong. But I don't think we were attacking strawmans because we were specifically pointing out Vosh and ContraPoints and specific bread tubers, you know? <clears throat> Yeah, it, it definitely helps to attack specific positions, but I feel like that's exactly what we were doing. For instance, we talked explicitly about the conception of socialism as being a giant workers' cooperative thing. Whether or not you can attribute that position to Vosh is something I personally can't speak to because I have never seen, heard. I, I just know about Vosh through, like, osmosis. I assume you guys aren't lying to me about this. <laughs> if you are, then I'm with this guy. Fuck you. No. But, um, I, I feel like we did a decent enough job of attacking a specific position. At least for a podcast, I, I think to a degree you have to treat the medium of the podcast with sort of the seriousness that it deserves. It's it's not exactly a place for intensive study. People kind of mostly listen to podcasts to pass the time while they're driving or, like, while they're working in some cases. I, I don't speak too much from experience here because I'm also not really a podcast listener, but I don't really think a podcast is the greatest place to treat as like a super high level theoretical debate arena um yeah it's it's good you know you can you can disseminate some general ideas through here you know point out some specific ideas some nuances tell some anecdotes that you can derive some useful information out of you know it's it's not gonna be like we base our entire criticism of bread tube or vosh around what we said in the podcast uh the last podcast we did was based off of Inverse's article. If, if you really want to read the critique and direct a critique against something, it should be against Inverse's article, because that's where Inverse took the time and wrote this out over several days. You know, it's a relatively well-thought-out article, and so it's not something that Inverse can go back and be like, oh, I didn't mean that when I said that, like you could say while you're doing a podcast, you know? Sometimes you just, you talk and you say things, and it's like, oh yeah, I did say that, didn't I? I didn't really mean it that way, though, you know? And also, on the topic of addressing, like, strawmans and not being specific enough, I think that's also partially because we were discussing an article that is specific. He brings up specific points and that, they, that they've made, and the podcast was just, like, kind of us discussing the article in general. I think if you still believe that after both listening to the episode and reading the article, then maybe that's something to think about. But if it's just the podcast, that's kind of... It's, yeah, like still the podcast more... is... All... Oh, sorry. Sorry, you know, if you have something to say, please say it. I'm struggling to figure out my words here. You're fine. I was just going to say, it, it's not like the podcast has the full critique that Inverse's article does. We're talking about a critique of a specific position. But yeah, if, if we decide to independently criticize something on the podcast, we will, you know, lay out what it is we're criticizing here exactly. We're not just going to say, oh, BreadTube is stupid. And that's that's just kind of it. It'll be like, no, no, BreadTube is dumb because XYZ. These are things about BreadTube that we dislike or what have you. I, I have watched a shameful amount of BreadTube. You're out of the party. Like well, well you're is. an anarchist, so. <laughs> and rolls a trot, so it's just Zoe left. Darn. Just, like, involve the cat. 
and I'll be and I'll be cool with it. Chairman Meow. <laughs> I like to just rail against the left. It's pretty much my favorite thing to do. I think they're so useless. Like I said, everything I I haven't encountered anything where I can just be like, oh shit, I'll join this. This is great, you know. Like I take the whole thing, like whole cloth. It's never like that. I had the same thing when I first started getting into like wanting to be politically involved. I'm around where I live. I started to think, damn, this communism thing sure would be great. Let me see if I can find some like organization I can join to get involved and like like organize, um, helping out with like protests and just helping. Something, I mean, right? I don't, yeah, something. I didn't really know what yet because I wasn't familiar with the concepts of like generalizing class conflict. I didn't really know what to do yet, but that's kind of also why I wanted to find them so I could know what to do finding it. And there was nothing. I ended up joining like some like like I found like there's some subscription that I subscribe to where I just receive emails about like petitions to sign and shit it's like the least it's the political equivalent of thoughts and prayers yeah basically and it's terrible and then i found the book club and everything was better which is why you should join it in the show notes and where are the show notes available in the description of the soundcloud upload and also probably wherever you're listening to it but maybe not i don't fucking know bye oh shit i forgot to turn off my mic Sleep well, asshole. <laughs>